This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Nervous? Yes. First time. No, I've been nervous lots of times. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and like you, I'm saving towards my dreams. But here's the question. What happens when you get everything you want on your list? Here to help us dive into that issue, which is more philosophical than you might think, we welcome from the Micro Empires podcast, Jennifer Grimson. And from this podcast, the guy who can never have enough when it comes to airplanes, it's OG. And last and frankly, probably least, from LenPenzo.com, the guy who has everything he could ever want in an industrial grade bunker, say hello to Len Penzo. Plus, we'll take a break partway through today's show to welcome our health and wellness expert. We've got a health and wellness expert? Okay, well, because who needs money if you don't have health? From MetPro, it's our friend, Angelo Poli. And don't worry, world, I'll make sure we still have time to magnify someone's money and, get this, I'll get you thinking with my internationally themed trivia. And now, a guy who probably has everything he could ever want when it comes to board games, it's Joe Salciha. You kidding me? There's always, always a new, better board game. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Friday. Kicking off your weekend with a game of our own called The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Salciha. I average show money on Twitter and Across the card table from me, ready to help you enjoy another glorious weekend. It's my friend, OG. I am the king of weekends. You In fact, I do think that they should start on Thursdays. I think that's our national referendum. And I don't, you know, they talk about how the nation's divided. I think nobody's, do- that's where we find common ground, OG. We find common ground. Yeah, that's the 2021 calendar for me, is that the work week only now goes Monday through Thursday. Well, a guy that's who can... I was going to tell you about that from a scheduling standpoint moving forward, but now it's just a good time as any. I can't be here anymore for these episodes. I know. If I'm we opting can, out. If we can make COVID. this 
the Thursday show, Joe. That would be that'd be that great. Would, that would be swell. That would be great. And a guy Thank who's uh, deep under Los Angeles, who's not even sure what day it is. So we'll let him know it's Friday. It's Mr. Lempenzo. How are you, man? I am doing great. You know, OG, you're talking about your short work week. You know, I just saw a thing that 70% of people admit now who are working from home, 70% admit to working in their bed, in their bed, at least part of the time. Too far. Is, uh, That's a bridge too far. Too far. Or is that yes. a bed too? Well, that's I, a bed too far. Not for me, Joe, because uh, it, it, I've actually learned to to. Uh, it's quite comfortable actually doing that. So you're podcasting from bed that. right now, aren't you? You're podcasting <laughs> from bed. Yeah, yeah, I am actually, Joe. <laughs> if we hear you like roll over partway through the show, <laughs> or if you hear me, you hear a muffled voice. That's uh, the honeybee smothering me in the, in the middle. Of the <laughs> And the woman who's already wondering why the hell she's here, the queen of the micro empires helping us build our micro empires. Jennifer Grimson joins us. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much. It's Uh, about time you got here to save the show, Jen. Well, you know, I I do what I can. I do what I can. The only way I can delineate between the week and the weekend, I have to force myself to wear pants with a zipper like Monday through Friday. That's how I know. It's a weekend over a weekday because otherwise it's just sweatpants 100 percent of the time. Unlike this podcast where three out of four of us are not wearing pants. (laughs) 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 On a scale of one to awkward, how awkward was that? (laughs) Seems pretty normal. Just have to be dressed like. I was going to say, what's wrong with uh, clavicle up? (laughs) What's wrong with sweatpants? That's sweatpants on right now. Nothing. That's your uniform. That's the, that's the OG yeah. uniform. I don't know how we got off on that. That's a train wreck. <laughs> Let it be known we're four minutes in and we're already on a train wreck path. Jen, tell us about the show because Micro Empires, we have so much fun. I was telling you when you and I met last about how much I've learned listening to some of your episodes while I'm out on my runs. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, thanks for running because I'm not doing anything <laughs> these days. So you just go ahead and do it for me. So the show really came out because I was somebody who lost everything twice, found myself with no home, no job, no car, no place to live, two kids to raise. I did that twice. And the second time, in addition to a job, I figured I had to build like little empires to give myself security so that could never happen again. And in the process of learning some of the tools that were available to me, I just felt like it had all been a secret. I mean, it wasn't a secret, but it is hard to learn some of these things. So I just started to do micro empires to really pull back the curtain for the average person, any person to whether they have a job or they're an entrepreneur or not, that they can start building their own little empires using some of the tools that are out there that aren't necessarily just intuitive that everybody knows about. It's interesting that you talk about losing everything twice. And at the same time, I thought about this piece because I thought about you coming on, which is about what happens if you have everything. Jennifer, who's had nothing two different times, what happens if you have too much? We're going to talk about that today. We've got Jennifer here. We've got Len here. We got OG here. Let's get this party started. Well, today, as we do on many days. We have a celebrity reader. My friend, Karen Cordaway is beginning a brand new podcast. She has helped us so much on this podcast in the background. I'm like, you know what, Karen, we have to have you as our celebrity reader. So here she is a piece, by the way, that was written by Amanda from the 
incredible whywemoney.com blog. Here she is, Karen Cordaway from the new Everyday Bucket List podcast, reading what happens when you get everything you want. What happens when you get everything you want? Well, you want more, of course, but more almost always leads to diminishing returns. The fulfillment curve, the point of enough. For any Your Money or Your Life fans out there, the fulfillment curve is a familiar concept. The idea is that when you reach the peak of the fulfillment curve, that point where you've got the optimal amount of what you need and want, that's where you want to stay. If you keep going past the peak to get even more, fulfillment deteriorates pretty quickly. Fulfillment curve from your money or your life. The fulfillment curve in your money or your life is used to address your desire for more stuff, i.e. consumerism. It's intended to point out when you have enough luxuries in life to feel satisfied, to keep you from plummeting past the peak. Enough is the key word there. I think it's natural to want more of, well, everything we deem good in life, but the fulfillment curve is an excellent reminder of how we can take things a bit too far. It can be applied to everything from income to consumerism to, dare I say, savings. And it's relevant to time, too, even the time we spend on things we enjoy, because too much of a good thing is still too much, like when hobbies become paying gigs and then become work. Granted, the fulfillment peak changes as our lives progress and transform. That's why revisiting the fulfillment curve often and finding your point of enough is paramount to creating some semblance of balance and satisfaction in life. How do you stay at the peak? I've thought about this an awful lot lately. Our family is mostly satisfied with the time-money balance we've worked toward the past few years. I've questioned if pushing forward or furthering some goals would help or hinder that balance. Thanks to the pandemic, Alan now works four days a week from home, and this is a permanent and welcome change. With us both working from home, we have the flexibility we've wanted for some time, and we're on track for early retirement if that's what we decide we want. Not super early. I mean, we're in our mid-40s now, but depending on health insurance and the choices we make, the timeline is flexible. All that to say, our life is pretty damn good. If it weren't for the pandemic, for which we can only do our part, I would say I'm at a peak on the fulfillment curve in many areas of life. And I have a lot of thoughts around that, like, what if the next shoe drops? What's the best use of my time? What will happen in two, five, ten years from now? How can I provide the most value with the time I have? And does all of my time have to be productive? Can't I just relax? 
But the most poignant and perhaps the most challenging question is, how do I keep from falling off that peak of fulfillment into the depths of too much? Pursuing more. Consistently going past peak fulfillment and blowing by enough is a scarcity mindset because enough can feel like it's just around the corner. We go slightly further to get there, but it's always there, lurking on the horizon, just out of reach. Whether it's more money or more things or more achievements, more will always be there. But more comes at a cost. Personally, I'm happy much of the time, but I admit I'm not always content. I get squirrely and start looking for the next big thing. And now that I'm a bit older and hopefully wiser, I recognize that search for more as a trap. Because when I focus on pursuing more, I miss those amazing, precious, everyday moments. If I had to guess, I don't think I'm alone here. When you reach a goal or feel like you've accomplished what you set out to do in some area of your life, it's easy to blow right on past that searching for what's next. So what's a person to do? Find your enough. If you've never considered what's enough for you, it should be priority number one. Because if you don't even know what's enough in your life, you'll only continue to want more. And my enough is different from your enough. Really, we can't figure out our own enough if we're judging others and comparing where they are at in their enough journey to ours. It's easy for us to look at someone else's life and think we'd have enough if only we had what they have. But what they have probably won't make us all that happy. And it's irrelevant to our understanding of what we actually want for ourselves. Use your personal values as a filter for figuring out what's enough for you. Using your values as a guide, ask yourself what's enough. And then ask, what is more, i.e., too much? If you haven't yet, write a personal mission statement. Use that to look at your life and the decisions you make. Create rules for what you will and will not do. Do we become complacent when we're fulfilled? It's natural for us to worry about complacency if we're not moving on or shifting our focus on the next milestone. It's a very human thing to want to grow and learn and feel like there's a purpose to your life. So it's reasonable that once you reach a goal, to want to focus on the next accomplishment or expand your original goal and keep going. It's like boxes that you like to check off as you go. People love to check those boxes. Lately, I've wondered if it's always necessary to even have a next big thing or to check the box on another goal. Is it okay just to be? Will that make us complacent and lazy? I don't think so. Maybe there's a point in that fulfillment curve where you don't need the next milestone. Perhaps it's enough to learn and grow and explore your world as it is. 
or maybe there is some other goal you want to reach. It's worthwhile to pursue if it's what you want to do, not because you think you should or because of the accolades you'll receive, not for social media posts and bragging rights. If that's what you want your life to look like, if that's the journey you want to take, then by all means, you should take it. Here's one way to be able to tell if you really want something. Ask yourself if you would do it even if no one else were ever to know about it. Even when we have enough or reach that peak fulfillment on the curve, it doesn't mean we just stop. It simply means we don't go after the excess that will weigh us down. There's something else about being at the point of enough. Once you reach that point, you can still work to optimize it. There is freedom in not going after more. That freedom allows you to be more creative and really hone in on what you already have. As long as you're creating and learning and trying new things and doing some work, because whether we admit it or not, some work is good. You can find joy hanging out there at the peak of enough. I've found some things that help me temper feelings of wanting more. In a rambling sort of list, here they are. Be grateful for where we are and what we have in life. Show kindness to others. Provide value when we can. Remember to pay attention and enjoy the moments that make up our lives. Because the only guarantee in life is this moment we're in right now. Stay curious. Let the small stuff go. Because what do we really control anyway? But also question everything. For instance, are the stories you're telling yourself about who you are and who you want to be your stories? Are you enjoying the journey? Or are you too focused on the destination to notice? Also, be okay with the in-between times of life. Sometimes, after we get to where we wanted to go, we long for the journey that got us there. We don't take the time to soak it up and celebrate where we're at right now. Stillness is necessary to be able to put things into perspective. Why not sit with where you are for a little while? Life will change. That's a guarantee. But what we don't have to always try to bend it to fit what we think it should be. I think it all comes back to finding balance, which is so easy to talk about, yet pretty challenging in real life especially since it goes against the grain of the traditional expectation that more leads to success. Yet, I think it's worth questioning and exploring all the same. Big thanks to Karen for reading that. By the way, for more on Karen's new show, uh, head to our show notes page, stackingbenjamins.com, and uh, check out Karen's new show. Congratulations, Karen, on 
becoming a new podcaster. So let's talk about getting everything you want. Uh, they, they mention Jen, we'll start with you, this idea of the fulfillment curve, right. And trying to stay at the top of the fulfillment curve. And I don't know about you, but for me, that feels like the time when I'm at the bar and I've had two beers and now I'm trying to chase this good feeling. And if I just go get a little more and that never works, right. Chasing more than at that point, never, ever works. For you, number one, do you believe that there is this fulfillment curve? And number two, how do you chase staying on top of that? Yeah, you're right. When I read this article, I thought, uh, well, gee, coming from my position, I don't know that I've ever been somebody who is um, chasing these huge goals. I was really just trying to get on my feet. But I do have goals and I, I have hit many of them. But I think it had a lot more to do with what my belief system was. So for me, I spent so many years just like my only prayer was to not have any more chaos, not to have any more financial chaos. And so all of a sudden I find myself now going sometimes in a day, my biggest decision is whether I'm going to have, you know, cheese on my cheeseburger or not. And so my life has just calmed down. So for me, I've hit that top of that fulfillment curve. And then you do start looking around like, you know, what else is there that I can have and I can do. But part of it for me, as it pertains to money, is just kind of knowing who I am. And I I can't in the core of my being live beyond my means. So for me, it's just constantly checking in, like, do I feel comfortable? Do I feel safe? That sort of thing. That keeps me in check, but it is easy to go. Like it is easy to say, oh, we could get, you know, maybe a different house or you, maybe it's time for a different car and things like that. And I just keep coming back to what's really important to me. And that's peace. And that's what keeps me at that level of feeling pretty satisfied most of the time. Because more than money, that's what you craved when you didn't have enough. Yes. More than uh, money was just a means to an end to sort of get the chaos to stop. Definitely money is very important. I mean, just today, my daughter, who's a single mom, called me and she needs new tires for her car. And I was able to send her that money. Most people can't do that. And I'm very grateful for that. That is peace. You know, she's driving around with my grandbabies in in her car and I don't want her to, to not have tires. That is a real problem for most people. And to replace all of them at once and even had to replace the spare tire at the same time. So yeah, it, it's more about the mindset. I don't know if folks who haven't struggled with being absolutely flat broke and terrified have those feelings, but as sure. I read this article, that's really what came to my mind. No, I mean, th- th- this is to be clear, this is a great conversation to be able to have, right? Now I have enough and now I'm chasing having too much. Boy, how, how great for us to be able to have that discussion. But Len, you're a guy who I think achieved financial independence fairly early in life. When did you say, you know what, enough's enough? Well, it depends on when's enough's enough. When it comes in terms of retirement, I've, I've, you know, it took a long time for me to get to the point where I said, you know, if I'm going to retire, I have enough. Going back on a micro scale, I, yes, I got comfortable where I had enough choices And that's what money is when you have extra money. It's about choices and how many more choices you have. I didn't get to that point probably until maybe 20 years down into my career. Oh, I mean, other than seriously, I mean, and and that's a good thing, I think, because if you get too comfortable too soon, you tend to, I, at least for me, you kind of lose your drive. And so 
I used that spot between the survival and the comfort mode on this curve, right? There's there's three points on this curve. There's survival mode, then you get to a comfortable curve, then you get to the point where you've got all the luxuries you want when you want them. But between that survival and that comfort mode, I used that as a as a driver for me to actually advance my career and work as hard as I possibly could and there's trade-offs for everything. You might be in that survival to comfort mode, but you can use that powerfully to help advance yourself. Yeah. But so like this piece says, Len, people are always striving to grow, right? And it's part of being human is that we're trying to grow. And yet, do you agree with the premise here that this pursuit of more, once you get past sustainability and the things that Jennifer was talking about early on for her and certainly some of the stuff. Uh, I mean, I remember when I, I was so frustrated because I couldn't deal with anything besides my next meal. And I knew that if I could deal with my meal tomorrow, instead of my meal today, things would be a lot better. And I was just trying to push the green reaper off one, one, one more day, just, just move it forward just a little bit. But don't you think that pursuit of more at some place turns into this bad thing? Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, I mean, some people are so driven. They don't know, for example, uh, let me go the opposite. I know people who are working, they're pushing 70. They're, they're, they're over 70. I know people and they, they, and I know they're comfortable. I know they've got more than enough, but they just want more. They want to be able to provide for their kid. They want to give their kids this humongous inheritance. They want to have so much. in the, And meanwhile, life is passing. You know, it's a finite period of time we've all got. And before you know it, I, I mean, when, I can't imagine when I get to 70 and, you know, I've, I've got a little ways to go to get there. I'm not quite that old, but, not that long. you know, I don't want to be, I don't, <laughs> yeah, don't want to be 70 years old and, and look back and, and say, gosh, you know, still what? working I, in uh, Congress. I'm still working. <laughs> yeah, I'm still working. So, you know, it's interesting. I have having this podcast has really been an eye opener for me. I talk to people about their money every day now and it's amazing to me, folks that have a lot of money and people that don't, I always keep coming back to that same question. What is really important to you? What does money mean to you? You know, what is your culture? How does it make you feel emotionally? And most people haven't even asked that question. Yeah. They're just trying to get a raise. Or they're just trying to move forward or just get a bigger house, but they haven't really thought about like, what does this all really mean to me? And what do I need? So I think it, most people, certainly for me, it gives me a lot of peace because I know exactly where it fits in my life. But I don't I don't know that that most people do that, whether they have money or they don't have money, just kind of taking the time to see what it does for them on an emotional kind of spiritual level. Where do you start doing that with clients, OG, saying, you know what, you, you have enough. You're at the top. I think that a lot of people who are achievers are the people who also need the permission on the other end to stop doing whatever it is that they're doing. You know, when they're being successful or they're on the track to being successful and, you know, you hear about like early retirement or being financially independent and working on those things and trying to do those things aggressively. And then once you hit it, it's almost like you have to have the next thing. And while I think that, you know, the, the more thing is super slippery because you can always get a faster car, you can always get a bigger house or, you know, there's, there's no limit to, to the amount of money that you can have in your life or things or whatever it is. You definitely still do need to have other goals going on because if you don't, you reach the end of like some goal and then you go, well, now what? Especially if you're like a super driven goal oriented, fulfilled person, you say, all right, I, I tried to be financially independent when I was 50 and I made it. 
And if you haven't teed up that next thing yet, whatever that is, it doesn't have to be money related, but it better be something because you're going to actually spiral backward if you don't have that next thing to work on. Uh, so I think that a lot of times people get to that kind of top of the mountain from a money standpoint, they go, all right, now what? I've got my 2 million bucks or I've got my retirement nest egg and I've, you know, I'm good. Now what do I do? Uh, you better be thinking about that before you get to the top. Otherwise it's going to be pretty, pretty miserable from an emotional standpoint. But this still brings up the time element that you can be miserable no matter where you're at, OG. I mean, you're, you're saying that, okay, you get everything and then you're miserable, right? Because you're not yeah. chasing more. So maybe the goals need to change. I'm wondering, Jennifer, if at some point when things were going really badly for you on either of those occasions, you kind of stopped and enjoyed the moment or were you too worried about the next meal to enjoy the moment? Yeah, I would say a little bit of both. My kids were both very little the first time. They were one and three years old. And so they weren't that. They were teenagers the second time. I would say that my happiness factor was a choice. So I think I, I chose to be happy. But that doesn't mean that I chose our financial straits, our, uh, the difficult situations that I had to live through. But in those moments, I was able, I'm very grateful that I was able to at least find some happiness. And for me, even in the worst of times, it was about just securing. It wasn't about having a lot of money. It was about having a steady income because that kind of slowed the chaos. I think worse than being poor or having struggling with money is having the chaos, the up and the down. I think that is the hardest thing. So I remember getting off the phone with a collection agent and saying, there has to be some point in the future where, not, where I look back on this and laugh. There has to be. And I think that this may be stronger. And I remember thinking that and remembering how in that moment I went from unhappy to happy. Just like, you know what? I got to be, be happy with, with where I'm at. You see this, Len, at work. I know working for, quote, the man, right? Do you see people that go, well, I'm unhappy here at work. So then they leave work and I don't have any scientific proof, but you got to see this. They then retire and they're not with us two years later. So how do you change up those goals, like OG said, but also have enough? It's a bad, you know, it's a balance, Joe. I, I, you got to have a target, right? First off, you got to, I think this all comes down to planning. First, you've got to reflect on yourself. What do you want? When do you want it? And what do you need financially to get to where you need to be, right? And so you kind of have to, you just kind of have to map it all out and do the best you can to get there. But I, isn't I think it, that's the best way to do it. No, I totally agree that it's planning, but I feel, you know, back when I was a financial planner, I was always living with people in next week, next month, next year. I was never living in today. Like it sure. seems like at some point too, Len, it's not just planning, it's about being Absolutely. I, I, I get it. I mean, you've got to know when you've got to that point, right? I mean, I'm at that point myself right now. I mean, I'm right on the cusp. And it's like now I'm at the point where when do I pull the trigger? When do I I'm still working. Remember, Joe, I said we were going to you were going to hang you were gone last year. Yes. Yes, exactly right. And then we had this the financial thing there and it kind of set me back. Well, now I'm back where really I need to be again. And I'm still kind of holding on to this thing like a security blanket, actually. So and that's what it is. It's it's a security blanket, even though I know I, I can do it. So, you know, it's now I've pushed it back to a few more months out, you know, maybe April-ish of 2021 here. But yeah, it's a security thing, too. It takes a little courage to do something like that. So even though you think you got it. But it's funny because even in your answer, you you seem to be saying that this pursuit of more is 
kind of a lie. Like, like, you know, that you, you could probably do it right now. You could yeah. be okay, but you might still need more. Yeah, ex you're, <laughs> you're right. And then there you're goes right. all this time, right? I mean, then six months later, you're, you're still at work instead of being. And, and I'm six months further closer to the grave, you know, to, to the grave. Right. So you're right. You're right, Joe. It's not easy. I mean, I mean, this is, it's a difficult point to actually make the decision to know when you get there and then jump off, you know? You know, I, I left my last corporate job in 2018. It's interesting. I worked really hard to get that job and then I was miserable and I stayed for three reasons, the money, the money, the money, and that's it. And I rec made a recording the day that I quit my job because I was terrified. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know I'm miserable. And I know if I don't make space for whatever else it is that I'm going to do, I'm never going to be able to figure it out. And so I did it. And then uh, I was relying, I've told Joe this story, I was relying on income from these houses that I had on short-term rental that had been booked up solid for years, just killing it. And I literally quit my job on November 28th. And then all, there were three houses, all three houses sat empty for three months. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. so I was sweating and uh, I had some creatives, I'm here in Nashville, Tennessee, some songwriters say, well, that's the universe just testing you. And I was like, well, the universe can kiss my butt because <laughs> I don't need to be tested. I've been tested till the end of time, but my happiness factor can't be measured. I've been so happy. I was even really terrified. Even with that, you've been happy. Oh my God. Ridiculously happy. Like, I think it should be illegal how happy I've been. It's immeasurable. But even my husband was like, hang on, uh, I married a woman who was making six figures. What's what's going on? What were you doing? Quitting your job. I don't understand. Uh, and I was like, don't worry, he'll be fine. It'll be it'll be fine. But I had to pivot. And so it, part of that for me, the planning, maybe this is what you guys were talking about, was I always had three numbers in my head, the number I needed to survive, the number I needed to survive and breathe, and then the number that like, you know, I really could relax a little bit. And those are my bare minimums. And I often find that people haven't even done that. Like how much money do you actually need? Even very wealthy people haven't done that to say, oh yeah, I only really yeah. need X to even get by monthly. That's funny you say so. that. Oh gee. Uh, one of the first things I remember a mentor telling me when I was a financial planner was when he came to consult with me was how much do you need to keep the lights on? And I realized that's yeah. a question. Jennifer's question is a question we should all be asking ourselves. I had no, I'm a financial planner. I have no idea. He goes to break even today. How much money is it? I, I don't know. I mean, it seems like some of this math OG isn't hard and we never do it. Yeah. Especially when you start adding the complexities of all of the other stuff that you do, right? Like if you're a business owner or if you have a dual income household, or if you have a single income household or like all this other stuff that goes on to not have any idea of, Okay, where's that kind of baseline? I can put food on the table, and and I like what you said. It gives me a little bit of space to breathe. On top of that, you know, what's that look like? And then we all have this big number, which I, I find kind of interesting. Len, you were talking about, you know, kind of hitting your number and then going down, and then it's kind of back to even money again. We're recording this a little earlier than it's going to be distributed. The mark was up today, so maybe you're even above it. Len, and you can quit tomorrow. Yeah. But, Sell uh, everything, Len. Sell it just, all. Just, I know, just, but OG, it's again, it's that security. I was ready to go. And then the thing, yeah. you know, the market tanked and then it kind of spooked me. Right. And now I'm back. And plus you're at the it's spot just now. Where, I was going to say you're at the <laughs> spot scary. where everybody else who is a super achiever gets to, which is you've accomplished it and you go, but those idiots are still paying me. 
<laughs> so what else would I do? And as soon as you figure out, you will go as soon as you figure out what else you want to do. Until you figure out what else you want to do, you're not going anywhere. April, next April, 10 Aprils from now, it doesn't matter. Until you figure out what you're going to do. Because, because yeah, you've got all the retirement assets that you figured out that you needed. And you've checked that box. But there's nothing else to do. And frankly, you probably wouldn't have retired during COVID anyway, because what were you going to do? Travel? You couldn't do that. You're going to stay at home anyway. I don't want to turn this into the psychoanalyzed lens show, but. Yes, yes, we do. <laughs> yes, actually, <laughs> we do. I'm more. having a really good time was, doing it. We, we, yes, <laughs> we, we totally want to be the psychoanalyzed lens show. <laughs> Ashley Willens, uh, the researcher from Harvard uh, that was on recently talking about time, Len, said that we all overvalue, or not all of us, many people overvalue money. And when you turn that money into time, like Vicki Robbins said, we undervalue our time. Like we think, well, I'm going to have lots more time. I don't have enough money. And then when you actually look at the amount of time that you have left on this earth, that's when it starts changing for you. Do you ever think about, man, I'm not going to get this time back instead of getting enough money to get maybe just yes. a little more. Yes. You know, what really drives that home. Like my father passed away uh, last month and, 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 you know, that when, when stuff like that happens, then you really, it just really drives home the point that we're not here for, we were only here for a finite amount of time and we don't know when we're going to go. And that's my biggest fear too. That's my biggest fear is like, okay, I'm still relatively young in my mid fifties, but you know what? I could die tomorrow. So that's what's got me wanting to retire already. And I was ready to pull the trigger before this last, you know, the COVID thing and the market tank. It shook me just a little bit. And now, you know, but we're close. We're close. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Do Thanks, it. Jen. Do it. Do it. I, I will say the reason I ended up quitting my job was I had a friend of mine was over and he was seeking advice. He was in a long-term relationship for many, many years and has had been unhappy. And I was like, there's no room for someone else to come in if you don't make space. And of course, I just thought I was a total hypocrite because I needed to make room for something else to come in. And once I did, it came in, it took some time, but I am certain you are perfectly fine and would be perfectly fine. And my father too, two, the two biggest lessons for me, my father worked at a job that he absolutely hated for the majority of his life. He retired at 65 and then had got a brain tumor and was gone in six months. My parents had saved up, put off, put off, put off their retirement. My mother has spent the last 22 years by herself. And the other thing was reading the four hour work week. Um, when that first came out. And that just really taught me to take my retirement as I go along, especially because I was poor and I was just trying to build up. I was like, I may never get to stop working. So I'm just going to try to live life and enjoy it. But I mean, I understand it and it is very scary. It's also sort of an American thing to stay sort of shackled to that. What are you achieving and what are you earning and what's your title? That sort of thing. Normally, I talk about what takeaways we, we have, but I think, Jen, you made a great point there. Coming up next, by the way, we're going to take a little break, give these guys a little time to maybe recharge. Angelo Poli is going to join us. For those of you that don't know Angelo, he is the co-founder of a company I use called MetPro. MetPro helps people by using metabolic profiling to get where you want to go with your health and as we're talking about this, Len, you got you got to retire while you got your health, my friend. 
Retire. Absolutely. <laughs> retire, retire while you have your health. Angelo answers questions for us on a regular basis. So if you're new to the show, you're going to love this guy, Angelo Poli, coming down to the basement. And on my dad's shortwave radio, we're so happy to have him back. Our contributor extraordinaire, the man behind MetPro, Mr. Angelo Poli, joins us. How are you, my friend? I am fabulous, Joe. Thrilled to be back in the basement. Well, you know what's interesting is we've all, to some degree, as you know, Angelo, from the last time we talked, we've all, to some degree, been in the basement, right? We're stuck at home. We're cooking the same three meals over and over, which was fine. We used to go out to dinner every once in a while. We might go over to a friend's house and break bread with them. Not so much anymore. So I've got a bunch of questions from our listeners, and I thought we'd start with this one from Brittany. Brittany says, favorite meals for a family. I'm struggling to cook healthy things that we aren't tired of eating. And I know that's a lot of people, Angelo. Taco Tuesday, Taco Wednesday, Taco Thursday, Taco Friday. So I know it's impossible to have Taco Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and have the family excited, Angelo. So what are some great uh, healthy meals for the family that people won't get bored with? Uh, So rapid fire, what our clients ask us that question all the time. Of course, our clients we have doing fairly specific meals that we have a strategy for, but things that almost always work within the framework of whatever strategy we have in place stir fry is quick, easy to get protein, veggies, and then you can always add something to it. Think in terms of here's a healthy base. That's the bulk of my meal and that I can share with the family. And then if you are going to have something additional to it, you know, maybe if there is going to be an extra carb or some pasta or so something along those lines, it doesn't have to be the main entree. It can be the side dish instead. So stir fry works great. All forms of taco salads, lettuce wraps, anything along those lines. Quick, easy, super lean, super healthy. Here's my personal favorite. I love the grill. I love grilling in mass shish kebabs. Mm. That's my absolute favorite, Joe. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll cook them in bulk. And I'll just do them separate. Now, you can get fancy and you can do, you know, the, the really nice looking combo skewers. What I do is I do uh, half the rack or the skewers, just all veggies. And then the other half of the skewers, all meats. And I grill them both up and then I'll grab one or two of each and make a meal out of it. And, and they last. They'll keep, you know, you put them in the fridge. They're delicious the next day. Brown rice, quinoa bowls. Whether you're a meat eater, a vegetarian, you know, you can put a little protein on it, whatever form you want, some veggies, it's going to take on the flavor of whatever seasoning style you go with, but you're going to have a great base. These are the, the go-tos, but bigger picture, because even those items you're going to burn out on. So think of it in terms of principles. The principles are eat like grandma and grandpa cooked minimally processed, think whole foods that you can, you know, get from actual sources outside (laughs) instead of processed mixed mixtures, uh, mass produced foods. So your, your meat and potatoes style, that's going to be a great base. If you can go with simple 
foods that you can cook in bulk by macronutrient. That doesn't have to just be a strategy for fitness enthusiasts. This really works for anyone who wants to save time and eat healthy. So what my wife and I will do is we'll typically cook two protein sources for the week, chicken, turkey, fish, you name it. Keep it in the fridge in bulk. And then it's simply a matter of reheating it or throwing it back on the grill. Or if I need to be real fast, I can put it in the microwave. Same thing with a carb. We'll usually have one or two carbs. Like my wife loves brown rice. I'm not as big of a fan. I love sweet potatoes. So we usually have both cooked in bulk in the fridge. So now it's simply a matter of not going to the fridge and preparing dinner. It's a matter of serving dinner. And it's quick, it's easy, and speed is king when it comes to your routine. Well, I think a place a lot of us make mistakes, Angelo, is at lunch, right? We're pressed for time. And if I have that stuff already prepped, it makes it really easy to to run to the fridge and get something healthy instead of ordering out or running through the drive-thru. Everything you just said is 100% right. In fact, when we, when we actually work with someone one-on-one, we give them an assignment. It's part of the whole experience and process, but the first assignment our coaches give their clients is to meal prep lunches. There's a reason we do that, Beyond, because a lot of people don't have to meal prep because they have access to foods either at their workplace or they have a routine of a restaurant they go to. But even if they have that, we have them do three days of lunchtime meal prepping to teach the process because there's a right way and a wrong way. And it all has to do with speed. If you're spending hours and hours in the kitchen, you're not doing it right. And it's yeah. going to feel overwhelming. Yeah. So um, but if when you're doing it right, it's actually time saving, more convenient, money saving too. So that's the key. You hit the nail on the head, Joe. I got a few questions for you though, as follow up though, Angelo, if you don't mind, first of all, you pronounced it quinoa. Isn't it pronounced quinoa? (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. I'm just, I'm just kidding. And I eat it. (laughs) Cheryl, I I get Cheryl with that every time. I'm like, are we going to get some quinoa? She's like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, Q-U-I-N-O-A. I think it's Kanoa. Yeah. And then what I like about the shish kebab idea for Brittany, because she's talking about for a family, I think that shish kebab is a way to make vegetables fun for kids because you give an eight-year-old a pepper. I don't know that they're going to love it, but give an eight-year-old a pepper on a skewer. That is heaven, my friend. Now it's an adventure. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And the third thing that you talked about, you you talked about pasta and you talked about brown rice. And I know there's people in their car listening right now going, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought this is a health guy. And we all know that carbs are bad. And these all carbs bad. Don't they all need to be marched out back? (laughs) Right. These are people that haven't heard you before, Angelo. Preach about carbs, my friend. Okay, so carbs are not the villain. It's a lack of strategy or a cohesive approach that's the villain. So having a certain amount of carbs isn't the end of the world. It needs to work within the framework of a strategy. So um, I'm, I'm going to just rapid fire on this because I know we're, this is for more Q&A. 85% of people who reach out to us, their goal is weight loss. That means that we are going to have a finite amount of tools that are going to be the most efficient levers. One of those is pure calorie control. One of those is carbohydrate control. But not all carbs are created equal. And by the way, even things like pasta are not the health villains that a lot of people make it out to be. What what it is is it's a dense food. So for example, if you were to have just 
a half a cup of pasta. And, and by the way, who eats half a cup of pasta? It's like when you look at the bag, it's like, oh, I had one serving of chips. No, you, you end up eating them by the bag. It's, you know, you want to serve it two chips. You know, who does that? <clears throat> you know, the comedian says, you know, Oreos, I eat them by the sleeve. Not by two is one serving. No. It's- well, I'm thinking about the guy, Angelo, the comedian who, you know, they have those fun size candy bars. He says, those aren't fun size. Those are frustrating size. <laughs> yep. You nailed it. So with something like pasta, simply by volume, you're going to get double, triple the density of amount of carbs. If you were to eat sweet potato, brown rice, breakfast, oatmeal, these are foods that you can have half a cup, a cup, even a little more, and you're not going to rack up a ton of grams in carbohydrates. You're going to get a few, but in exchange for those grams, you're actually going to be full versus the type of carbs you think of processed carbs, crackers, even some breads. You eat them and you just had your daily quantity of carbs and you're still not satisfied. So that's where we kind of go back to the old cook the way grandma and grandpa used to because the carbs they ate were more filling. So in totality, they ended up eating a little bit less overall. Is that making some sense? Uh, th- th- no, that makes a ton of sense. Well, it makes sense to me because I've heard you before, but, but, I, but I know that, but I know a lot of people out there before I met you, Angela, I'm like, oh, carbs are bad. And then, yeah, then you go on a binge and it's not, not good. Well, and there are times where we do ask someone to reduce their carbohydrates, but it really should be a calculated case-by-case scenario, and then it depends on the meal. As a general rule for the family, balance. Extremes are bad. What you want is balance. Eric has a question for you, Angelo. He asks, what does the data say these days about whether or not to eliminate caffeine and alcohol? Is there an acceptable healthy limit? You asked me that, Eric. You're going to get me booed off the stage. So, um, so we'll take caffeine first or, or, you know, or coffee. So actually, coffee is one of the most frequently used supplements for performance, caffeine, that is. It can actually enhance as it is a, a mild stimulant. It's the overconsumption. Now, I'm not going to dive into the health of it because the answer to that is, well, it depends. Um, If somebody's adrenal system is shot and they're overly fatigued and their body is hyped up on too much caffeine, then yes, adding a heavy load of caffeine to the body is actually going to do more harm than good. Um, But there are cases where a little bit of caffeine is not going to cause a lot of problems and even can... Uh, in the sports nutrition world, uh, the actual data suggests that the quantity in about half a cup of coffee, that's a pretty small amount, half a cup of coffee is kind of optimal for athletic performance, for mental focus, and shouldn't be looked at as an absolute villain. Again, case by case. I cannot give you such a report on alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) This is the boo off the stage part. This is the boo off the stage part. (laughs) Now, don't don't listen to this and then walk away and say, well, Angelo said alcohol is all bad. It's unhealthy because that's not the case either. I mean, you've heard the studies and the, you know, a glass of wine actually can have some health properties, can be protective for heart antioxidant effects. Uh, But now speaking specifically from a body composition, athletic performance standpoint, there's never a scenario where alcohol helps. Does that mean that 
clients that we work with every day never drink alcohol? No, they have it. They have it in moderation. Probably the big takeaway is the type of alcohol really does have an impact. So as a general rule, now I'm speaking mostly of the uh, fat accumulation to alcohol effects ratio, not necessarily a longevity for health and liver life uh, ratio here, but specifically from a calories in and an effect on your body composition standpoint, your clear hard alcohols are actually going to have the least impact, the least negative effects. Now, if you drink too much of that, it'll have the greatest impact on your performance and well-being. Um, but that's where you hear, you know, the vodka or the things like that are the best bet for someone who's dieting. Then from there, kind of the middle ground is going to be the wines. And then the worst is going to be your beers and your mixed drinks. So here's what a lot of people don't realize is just what a heavy load some mixed drinks can be. Something like a margarita, you get the trifecta or a blended drink where you have juice, you have salt, and you have the alcohol added. Uh, you're going to wake up puffy the next day. That's mm. just biologically the way our body responds. So the type of alcohol you have can absolutely play a role. But if you are asking from a purist standpoint, what's best? Well, if you get paid a million bucks to get out on the field and, and you know run touchdowns, you're not going to have alcohol during your season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's the purist answer. <laughs> yeah, make the make the commitment. Yeah. I've got one more question for you today. This is from Terry. And I think this is a lot of people, Angelo, as you know, a lot of people at home and working differently than they did before. But she's got an even more dramatic shift. She says, I'm shifting from an active job to a desk job and I'm scared. What can I do to keep healthy? Terry, you already have half the battle because you're aware of it. So if you're conscious of that shift, because it is it is a shift. And you'll, you'll see that that can be a little bit of a turning point for someone, but usually it's people that are underestimating the impact of, of switching to a little bit more sedentary job. It's nothing that can't be overcome. I'm a big fan, Terry, of frequency over intensity or volume initially. And so here's what that means. I have folks that say, well, Angela, I could go to the gym once or twice a week for an hour and my first request is, I love that, and that's great, but could you do 10 to 15 minutes a day at home instead? And the reason is because if you can build it into your daily routine, it's going to become habit, and it's going to be something we can build off of. Whereas the person who just dives in and hasn't been in the habit of regular gym going or regular exercise to then create that habit of once, twice a week or fitting it in where they have some free time, that's where people struggle. People struggle with consistency. They, they struggle to get off the ground. That's really common. Whereas if, if we just have a routine where, hey, I start the day Monday through Friday and I, and I hop on or I have this calisthenic program or I do some crunches and planks or I do some step ups at home or whatever, whatever your personal circumstances, but it's on a daily basis that you're doing something, at least Monday through Friday, now it becomes part of your routine and it can make a huge difference in how your metabolism responds. The other advice I'd give you, Terry, is on that note, consider your intake 
uh, if you're less active, your appetite probably will go down a little. So the mistake sometimes people make is then they just automatically start eating less frequently. Mm. What I would say is instead of eating less frequently, try to just cut down portion sizes a little bit. And the order is scaling back a little bit on fats first, carbs second, proteins last. And if you do that, then, you know, you, you add a little daily activity in, you're conscious about your overall intake, you're going to do just fine. I found that the morning and afternoon snacks, once I started on the MetPro program, Angelo, were a game changer for me, you know, so I didn't get that late morning and mid-afternoon crash as well. I was just having somebody else on a podcast ask me about that, you know, because there's a lot of data out there, you know, oh, well, do you actually lose weight at the same pace, whether you have snacks or whether you just eat three square meals? What, you know, why is it that you're always telling people, I don't care about any of that, Joe. Here's what I care about. Lifestyle, what a person will and won't do, what's practical and what gets results. You know why I love snacks? I love snacks because we don't take them socially, so we can control them. We can plan them in advance, and they're not cumbersome. That's why I love snacks. Yes, there are also metabolic advantages when used properly under the right circumstances. The fact of the matter is, you know, your husband doesn't call you up, your wife doesn't call you up, your, your friends don't call you up and say, hey, Tony, I'm going to go and grab a, an apple and, and a packet of almond butter at 3 Do you want to join me? <laughs> they don't. <laughs> they don't. I mean, well, maybe you do. I don't know. Maybe they do. Mine don't, you know. It's always something like horrendous, like, hey, Angelo, let's go and grab this, that, and the other, and then we can die of a heart attack after it's going to be so bad, you know. Yeah. They want to go out to dinner, and it's going to be some big, you know, celebra celebratory thing. Um, so – since we know that, you know, the family's going to ask for uh, social meals, which is typically dinner, but lunches as well, the coworkers, the boss, the, the lunch meetings, at least if we have a snack that's predetermined, that's something we can count on, you'll eat it and you'll eat it. Not necessarily because you're hungry, you have to, but because you told me you would. Tell me you will. Tell me you will. Do it, and I promise you, you're going to see great results. Just one disruptive behavior. Pack an afternoon snack that's healthy, something simple. Make it your daily routine. It'll be disruptive in a good way to your entire daily routine. Our longtime listeners know how much I value coaching and how much I think having smart people in my corner is really important. You guys, Angelo, have been very busy working on the new MetPro app so that people can get coaching right, but what, right on their phone. Oh, no, we're not busy at all. That was a breeze. I think we threw it together in a weekend. <laughs> right, I'm sure. You know? Yeah, ta-da. <laughs> ta-da, it's done. So only, only uh, the, the culmination of my last 20 years <laughs> of uh, my life's work in, in fitness and nutrition. Uh, so, yeah, we, we have, we've been coaching people, been doing high-touch concierge coaching for a very, very long time. It's our passion. It's our love. It's our everything. We, we love doing it. And so finally, um, now we have a tool for the person who's ready to just see some of the science that our coaches experience and use, our clients experience and use. So we, we have an app now that's 
And I, and I want to be, be clear what it is and what it isn't. So it's, it's not my fitness pal. It's not a food logging app. There's tons of great food logging apps out there that you can use. I didn't feel that innovation ne- needed to take place in that department. A lot of people use food logging apps in conjunction with our MetPro app now. What our app does is it actually takes a person through the initial stages and ongoing of baseline testing, identifying where someone's metabolism is at and setting them up on a meal plan. So instead of saying, hey, tell me what you what you ate and I'm going to grade you, it's going to say, here, eat this and give you lots of options and substitutions and then say, oh, here's how your body's responding. Based on that, we suggest making this, this and this change. And here's where we, di- we we differentiate yourselves. It's not go and figure it out on your own. You should eat less of this or more of that. No, it'll suggest in your afternoon snack, we want you to reduce this. In your breakfast, we want you to increase this. And oh, by the way, based on your goals and body type for the next week, here's the category of workouts we suggest. And if you'd like to view ones that our clients do, here's workouts for you for the week as well. Um, so it's a fairly comprehensive uh comprehensive deal that we're really, really excited about. Anyone can download and, and uh, experience. I think uh, you can go and experience it a couple weeks free and see if it's for you. If you're ready to prep a few lunches and you're ready for transformation, we've got you covered. So it's available on the App Store and at Google Play? Go to metpro.co slash SB for your audience. And that, that way we know it's your audience. Gotcha. Um, coming through. We got that kind of special, special deal. Uh, for, so go through that gateway and you'll get set up. And you can either, you can talk with an expert or you can download the app and, and you know, try it out for yourself. Uh, but go explore metpro.co slash SB for your audience. It'd be yeah, great. Yeah, that way, if you're like me and you just want the coaching, the concierge level coaching, that I get from my friend, Jesse, who kicks my ass all the time, Angela. She's, she's incredible, but she, she keeps me honest. By the way, I love the way that Jesse and my spouse, Cheryl, gang up on me. I will go to put something in my mouth and Cheryl will say, what, what's Jesse going to think about that? And I'm like, damn it. Stop ganging up on me. Shh, don't tell all her secrets. <laughs> how it works. You're not supposed to tell that stuff. <laughs> metpro.co slash SB. We're going to talk to you next time uh, in January. Let's get back together and and talk. We talked a lot of diet next time. How about exercise? Next one. Looking forward, Joe. Hey, trivia fans. I'm your pal, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And I'm glad I could listen in on that discussion with our roundtable. And I agree. It's really important to be content and happy that you have enough. In fact, this whole thing got me thinking, hmm, if I can only get a few more things, well, then I would totally have enough. I'll tell you some of the things still on my list right after I share today's trivia question. Since today is Africa Industrialization Day on my crazy holiday calendar, big celebrations for that one worldwide, let's go over to Africa for our question. And the question is... Since Nigeria leads African nations in GDP, or gross domestic product, but you knew that, right? How much is their GDP? I'll be back with your answer faster than you can go to Amazon to buy more things that'll make you happy. Yeah, I get the feeling he didn't get the point of that segment, but... 
So goes Doug. Hey, uh, if you're new to this show, you may not know that we, every Friday, uh, between our normal contributors, have a contest. And uh, uh, Jennifer, today you're going to play on behalf of Paula Pant from Afford Anything. So the score in this year-long contest, Len is leading the way with 15 Paula's in second with 14. OG is in third, but catching up after nailing it last week with 13. So Len, because you're in the lead, that means you get to go first. Is this one a doozy or is it just me? What's the, what's the GDP of Nigeria, Len? Well, I guess it's my duty to, uh, I will say exactly the stuff that I know here or pretty close to. I think the America, U.S. GDP is... Oh gosh, what is it? It's about uh, eighteen trillion dollars, I believe, and I think we're number one. We're so number one. we're number we're one. one. <laughs> Africa, I think Africa. Wow, I you know, there's not a lot of exports. I don't believe coming out of Africa for the most part, other than uh, stuff like gold. Yeah. Uh, out of South, South Africa. Isn't but, it strange um, that he knows that piece of trivia? Isn't that really <laughs> weird? Len of all people. But, but, but I think the number is going to be really small compared to the United States. So I'm going to say, huh, with the risk of sounding dumb, I'm going to say $1.5 trillion. $1.5 trillion. All right, Jen, you're up. Nigeria, right? Nigeria, which has the highest GDP in all of Africa. In all of Africa. Okay. All right. Um, (laughs) And we do know that from Nigeria, I did just get an email saying that there was a prince over there that needed me to send some money. So obviously they're doing okay. Well, they need a little more is what that means. A little more. Um, They're they're, they're doing better though, Jen. I I just sent the guy a hundred bucks. Okay, good, 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 good. Um, I'm going to say three trillion. $3 trillion. That gives uh, a lot of room between the two of you at 1.5 and three. Uh, OG, what are you thinking? I think it's much less than this. Um, So you think it's 18 trillion is the, is the U S GDP? Is that your, I thought so. I thought it was in that, that range. Huh? Yeah, because that's kind of like what the debt is right now, right? And that yeah, like it's it's recently? the debt. Well, the debt is like one hundred and twenty five percent of GDP, and I think the debts. Oh, so yeah, maybe it's a little more than eighteen trillion because I think the debt right now is it uh, the official debt is at uh, twenty six or twenty seven trillion. Hmm. So yeah, well, maybe our GDP is even higher than that. Does that debt include OG's next month Amex payment? Because <laughs> that'll move the needle. <laughs> Talk about more. Good night. American Espresso owes me something for all this money that I spend. They uh, they have a name for OG. They call him profit margin. They do. They don't pay interest, so I don't know why they, they make money in my swipe fees, I suppose. All right. So they don't make any money on any deal. They just make up for it on volume. That's yes, how it works. They make a little bit on every deal. Yes. Uh, I was thinking it was in the hundreds of billions. And, and you said trillion, which is like of 10 hundreds of billions. Uh, so I'm going to say less than 1.5. I'm just going to take everything less than 1.5. I think the real number maybe is like, um, just to put a pin in it, I'm going to say uh, 680 billion. But my official answer is everything less than 
lens. One point four nine 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 nine. So I've been Chelsea Brennan. So I have been Chelsea Brennan. Yeah. Well, you got from one point five all the way to like two point two five. So yeah, that's right. Seven hundred billion. All those billions of dollars, Len. There's more. There's more. I'd love to tell you who's going to win this thing, but we can't do that right yet. We'll be right back. Hey, stackers, you own or rent your home? Well, sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And it's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your house, or in our case, around mom's house. Go to geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit geico.com today. That's geico.com. And stackers, if you pay your credit cards off every month on time, you want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. And how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. So, Len, you kick this thing off with $1.5 trillion. Feeling good about that number? Well, now that I've been in uh, Chelsea Brennan by OG, no, I do not. I don't think I have enough room there to, uh, to make out on this time. But Jennifer, you've got all the upside three. You've got what about uh, to 1.25 all the way up to a hundred bajillion dollars. Yeah, that's true. That is good. I feel good. Got to be feeling good about that. Well, that those princes, those Nigerian princes, pretty rich. And OG, you've got everything south of it, but you said that pretty confidently. You're thinking it's in the billions, not the trillions. Yeah, I'm pretty confident about that. All right. Hundreds of billions, to be clear. Let me just say this. Isn't Nigeria, I think they're the one of the big oil exporters. So I guess we're going to find out. We yeah, are going to find out. Hey, Doug, what's our answer to this thing? Hey, stackers, it's your trivia aficionado, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. You know, after putting a lot of thought into what would make me happy, I came up with a very simple, achievable list. I think life starts with a 5,000-square-foot house because I need lots of room for activities. The El Camino's great, but I just saw this new all-electric Hummer. Oh, man, I care about the environment and American engineering, so it makes sense to splurge on that. Really, I mean, it's going to pay for itself. And lastly, I need season tickets to the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, I know we don't live in Detroit anymore, and they're not very good, but it would make me really happy to have those tickets so I can support my team. Now that you know my list, I need to figure out how to pay for it. I'm sure that'll be easy, but I think it's time to get back to today's trivia. The question was, since Nigeria leads African nations in GDP, or gross domestic product, how much is their GDP? Coming in at third, with a GDP of $280 billion, it's Egypt. In second, with a GDP of $350 billion, it's South Africa. Coming in hot... At $410 billion, it's, of course, Nigeria, which is, also has the highest population of all African countries with 206 million residents. All right, time for me to go turn my dreams into reality by finding someone to pay for them. See ya! Woo! X 
Excellent guess, OG. Excellent guess. I wish you were playing prices right style where everybody's over. <laughs> right. But then like this. <laughs> even even your guess only missed it by two hundred billion dollars, OG. So yeah. Well, I mean, at least I didn't miss it by 10x. Like mm-hmm. you know who. <laughs> <laughs> pointing to me but i can't really tell <laughs> you, you, you totally can't tell we got the, but, but you're right uh len i did look it up the united states as of 2020 this is through gdp through 2017 was 19 trillion okay so, so you, do i get a half a point for that joe you get uh you get no points but oh. but uh, good effort <laughs> you get our sincere appreciation for I'm sad. I'm sad for Paula. I'm really sad. I'll, I'll okay. I'll I tied her. to her. I think Paula, Paula's going to be okay. Four more weeks, right? To pull ahead. I was going to say, Jennifer, the whole first half of the year, Paula was doing horrible on her own. So you okay. don't even have to worry All about right, it. Good. This good. is it. We do only have a few weeks and it's tightening again. Hey, before OG gloats too much, let's take out the magnifying glass and help somebody do better with their money. Today's hotline call comes to us courtesy of magnifymoney.com. Jennifer, when you head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money, you know what happens? What happens? You you find the toes. (laughs) I like, like, I want to know. I'm dying to know. Tell me, Joe. I'm literally on the edge of my seat. Those financial products you use at your brick and mortar bank. Probably not the best in class. Probably not. 92% of all the things online, like savings accounts, checking accounts, CDs, consolidation loans, reward credit cards, only use those if you pay off your debt every month, student loan rates, all available at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. 92% of the stuff available, all linked at magnify money. Hey, uh, instead of taking a question today, our producer Richie found something interesting on Reddit and this is was very interesting to me, mostly because Jennifer's here, and I think she's kind of lived this. I mean, I don't know. You weren't kicked out of your well, – I don't know. I don't know your personal story, but somebody who struggled with money, let me ask this question that was asked on Reddit. Getting kicked out at 18 and my care taken. I'm tagging as housing – I'm tagging as housing? He's tagging the post. It's a housing uh, post. I'm tagging this post as it's my main concern at the moment, kind of freaking out in, in real life. What's RN? I didn't know. What right, right now. now. <laughs> wow. I thought it was registered nurse. <laughs> it's that too. They actually make really good money. So. <laughs> uh, kind of freaking out right now. I'm still in high school. It's my 18th birthday. My parents are taking their car back as well as letting me know about my time to go. I'm still in high school, all caps. And have luckily been working my ass off. So I at least have a few thousand saved up and do have a stable job, although not the highest grossing. But I have no credit. I live in Texas, so apartments aren't too pricey, but I would need a roommate and have no idea as to how I would go about getting one. I don't mind buying a bike and simply using that to get around since my schoolwork and hopefully place of living would be a five mile radius of each other. Although the path is on a highway and I don't know biking laws on highways, to be honest. Uh, I guess I'll try it until somebody says something. And by the way, I'm not laughing because this is funny. I'm laughing because I remember these days going, well, they're going to have to uh, do something to get me because I'm I'm just going to do what I have to do to survive. So what do I do? I'm so lost. I'm so confused. I just need some advice. We talked a little bit about this, Jennifer, about just being chaos. This, this is incredible chaos. 
what's the first thing you'd advise this person to do? Wow. Well, first of all, I just wanted to say how sorry I feel for them. It's a really painful. And to read that the message was really painful. I didn't get kicked out as a teenager, but I did uh, graduate from high school early and moved out and started working and all of that and actually did ride my bike for many years in California working. To me, when I read this message, what I thought was they're still in high school, so they do actually have some resources available to them. School counselors, because they're 18 years old, they probably actually qualify for public assistance. And then the biggest thing is just to ask for help. So I would be asking my school counselors. I would be asking friends and family for where to go, because it sounds like somebody who's not going to be able to find an apartment. This is something that's true to this day. I have to ask for things all of the time just to get the things that I want. It's a really good muscle to build. But I, to me, when he says in that message, I by, think it's a boy. By muscle sorry. to build, though, you mean the muscle to go and ask for stuff. Yep. Go and ask for stuff. Get used to it. Ask for stuff you're not comfortable asking for. Keep asking and get used to the rejection just because I think that's life. I think that's a great muscle. But one of the things that they say is that they've saved $2,000. So to me, this is somebody who has a good work ethic. I had three jobs at the age of 18 and rode my bike to all of them. But I loved working and I loved money and I loved the power it gave me over my life. But I do think that there are resources for them. I think there are even some laws that while this person is still in high school, they actually can't be necessarily put out even if they're 18. But yeah, that's where I would start. There, there are resources for that. I don't know if even if they can't be put out, if they really want to go back. If I've got, yeah. if I've got parents who are booting me out, do I really want to go back to that? I mean, that would be, right. could be very uncomfortable. Len, uh, what would you add? Well, I would say I would not give up on the apartment, saying you can't get the apartment because you don't have a credit report. I understand that I think almost all landlords now do a credit check to determine whether you'd be a good tenant. But I believe there are plenty of landlords out there that, one, if you can get a letter of recommendation from maybe an employer to vouch for your character, and maybe you can negotiate with the landlord as well. Tell them your story. I know there's landlords out there who they have a heart and they're willing to give people, especially if you can demonstrate that you're already a responsible person. For example, this gentleman uh, has a job and he's apparently working. He's been saving money. I think that you know he can show enough evidence to a willing landlord who's willing to give a kid a break who's got himself into a hard situation. I know I would if I was a landlord and this young man came to me um, and could demonstrate, you know, that he was a responsible person, I would definitely give him a chance. So I don't, don't give up. I think it's worth, you know, mining the landlords out there to see if you, what you can get. It's not hopeless. That said though, Len, I still like this idea of having a roommate. I mean, number one, you'll be able to maybe use no, their, use their credit a little bit, but number two, you're going to save a bunch of money by having a landlord. And I think at 18 Certainly. years, years old, saving as much money as you can is huge. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's great. He's 18. He's already saved uh, two grand. I mean, that that's fantastic. It's just, boy, what a it, it, terrible situation. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, uh, somebody 18 years old, still in high school being kicked out of his home. I mean, that's just tragic. Oh, gee, what's next? Yeah, I don't think that there's anything that I can add that hasn't been already talked about here, except talk about motivation in life, right? Like I've, I've often said that my job as a parent is to be all of the good things that my parents were and take out all the crappy stuff that my parents did. And if, if that's all I did was just eliminate the crappy stuff that they did, but do all the stuff that they did that was good, then, you know, like that next generation is going to be that much better in terms of 
the outcomes. And if you needed motivation to like totally kill it and like, I'm hoping this guy also forgot to mention, like he's a five-star quarterback recruit going to like, <laughs> you know, UT or something like that. He's going to make it the big leagues in the NFL or something. He just totally like thumb his nose to his parents, you know, a little, little vindictive there, but there are so many people out there that are willing to help, whether it's just friends, uh, parents, you've been in school for 18 years, you've got some buddies in class. I'm guessing that those that that you probably know some of those parents or some of those parents know you. If you're having a tough time of it, parents talk. We, are, we They probably already know that what's going on. And if you ask, like like Jen said, you probably got a good chance of of getting some help. Other family members, you know, grandmas and grandpas or aunts and uncles, also a good resource. And then, hey, great news. You get to like totally do whatever you want now. So with all of that responsibility or with all of that power, I guess, right, comes great responsibility, like they say. So so now you're in charge, but you got to do the right stuff. Get on with it. Go join the Marine Corps. They give you free housing. It's true. Mm -hmm. And you get exercise all the time. (laughs) You need to blow stuff up. Thanks for bringing this to our attention, Richie, our producer. Uh, just a great question. I really wanted to get your you guys take on this tough, tough situation for somebody to be in. And hopefully we're able to help some people out with that. Hey, if you've got a question for us, by the way, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And if you've got a microphone like your phone has one, you go there on your phone, click the button and you can leave us a message and we will answer your question. That's going to do it for today, guys. Uh, OG, let's start with you. Big plans this weekend, my friend. So this is the beginning of Thanksgiving week for us. My kids uh, love this about my kids' school. They have half a day on the Friday before Thanksgiving. The whole next week is off. So this is just 100% like 10 days of straight up family time. Why more schools don't do that, I don't understand. I yeah, just... We were just talking about it's the same thing with work. I was talking to our team this week and, and, you know, we're all off, we're all off on free days this week. And one of our team members is like, Oh, I'll probably do a little check my email. I'm like, why? Like nobody wants to work. Remember, you remember this Joe from working at American express. Do you remember like they would be like totally thumb on the scale of, well, if you don't have enough vacation days, you got to work on the 27th that Friday in between. Right. right. Hey, you got to show up. Right. You got to show up. It's like, Nobody's that's such a jack wagon thing to do. Big take waste time of off time. Your family. Yeah. Take time off with your family. Yeah. Excited about that. We'll have our guest of honor go last. Len, what's coming up at lenpenzo.com? Well, I've got a fun little article on uh, the 10 commandments. These are my 10 commandments of personal finance. And it's getting oh, a lot of, uh, it's actually getting a lot of attention right now. So uh, a lot of comments and uh, stop on by and you can see if you agree with them and you can see which ones uh, you're violating right now. I promise you won't go to hell if you uh, if you violate them, but your your finances will probably be in really bad shape. So I thought your number one's going to be something like don't believe government statistics. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you'll have to stop on by and see for yourself. I, do, I probably do. <laughs> Leadpencil.com. Jennifer. I'm so glad we got this done. Thank you so much for hanging thank out with you. us. Well, thank you for having me. It's been really fun. It's as as you know, we've been we've been talking about this for two months, and my yeah. schedule moving around the country has been so crazy. I'm like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. hey, uh, you want to come on? How about you come on two months from now? So yeah. and I'm then glad you went and got the you went and got the COVID. So I know. yeah, I slowed it down. Jennifer's like, hey, of all the excuses, getting COVID might have been a bridge too far. But right. t- tell everybody what's coming up at the Micro Empires podcast. 
you know, the, the podcast comes out every Tuesday in 2021, I'm doing small group coaching and some courses, et cetera, but it just keep exploring. People can find me at www.micro-empires.com on all the socials. And I love, I'm loving hearing from people. I'm hearing from more and more. And I love, I love doing the little breakdown of like, what do I do? What's the next step? That sort of thing. And, and just the things we talked about today. So it's been really great. Jennifer's also fun to follow on social media. So we'll include her social media handles there too. I'm usually <laughs> laughing at something going on in the Crimson household. That's a good time. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it, everybody. Doug, you've got it from here, my friend. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from the round table. Sometimes after we wind up where we want to go, we long for the journey that got us there in the first place. We need to take time to soak it up and celebrate where we're at right now. Second, take a lesson from Angelo Poli. When you nail the nutrition piece, it makes it easier to get your money right. But the big takeaway, turns out funding dreams may cost some money. I'd never even really thought about that. Hey, OG, uh, you got all kinds of spare change. How about a, you know, a little something for the effort here? Just a little loan to tide me over. A very special thanks to Jennifer Grimson for joining us again on The Roundtable. You can find more of Jennifer's great ideas on her podcast, Micro Empires, which you'll find wherever finer podcasts are distributed. Also thanks to Angelo Poli for joining us again to keep us on track. You can find out more about MetPro at metpro.co forward slash SB. Len Penzo, the captain of skepticism, appears courtesy of lenpenzo.com. This show is created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Karen Rapine, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm wondering if KY Jelly is actually made in Kentucky. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. What's wrong with you? Uh, it's either this show or indigestion. I hope it's indigestion. Why? It'll get better in a little while.
Welcome to the after show. This, Jennifer, is the part of the show that doesn't exist. Just so we're clear, what happens in the after show stays in the after show. We don't okay. talk. So no about one's it. ever going to hear this, right? No, nobody ever, right? Okay. Both Good listeners have stopped listening <laughs> by this point of the show. Uh, I've got a question. You know, we talked about having enough. And there's some things that I've bought in my life or some things in my life that I thought, boy, that would really make it. There's some places I wanted to visit that I thought, man, that is probably the place. And it turned out that, man, was I wrong. I mean, I was, I was beyond wrong. And, and I'll just share one from when I was a kid. I remember opening this uh, bazooka bubblegum. Len, Len, you're the old guy here. You remember bazooka bubblegum? Absolutely. And you'd I broke open the a few teeth over bazooka. <laughs> oh, if that was, that, that was a rock. Like whoever <laughs> thought that that needed to be that it was just a complete rock in your mouth. You did it. You did it for the cartoon inside. You did. Inside. Yes, exactly. That's the whole reason. Bazooka Joe. And yeah, then I'd, I'd eat 20 of them in one sitting. <laughs> well, I would do it because you needed 20 of those things to send in to get the yes. little remember in the corner. You had the little thing. Well, they had, they had this cool telephone system that, that you could get like, and, and they talked about like walkie talkies and it was going to talk cost. I remember like a dollar 50 plus 25 of these wrappers. So my brother and I, we load our mouths to this stuff. My jaw hurt for days. We send this in with a buck 50. Actually, I, I take that back. We didn't even send it in right away. Cause it took us, we, we had to ask my mom if we could do some chores. I must've been seven years old, maybe eight years old. And I remember waiting for like eight weeks for, for my new walkie talkie system to come in. And I remember my brother and I talking about all the time, how cool it was going to be. We we're going to call each other from, you know, we, we had, we had bunk beds. So we'd call each other like when we're supposed to be sleeping in bed and it's going to be great. This thing comes and to say it's in a smaller box than I expected <laughs> would be, would, would, would be, it was in a lot smaller box that I, it's this little tiny box and I open it up and there's these two little round pieces of tin that for some reason there's holes in the tin and a piece of string that's maybe like three feet long. So my brother and I, cause we're not going to take no for an answer. We tie up the string and we put it out there and my brother says something and I'm like, I can totally hear you. And then I realized I can hear him because he's standing right next to me. <laughs> Not what I expected. Uh, Jen, there must have been something in your life that you oh, thought. There's a lot of things in my life. Um, we talked about, well, I'll just talk about, since we're going to talk about maybe a little bit later in life, as in maybe the last six months. So being in COVID in the Amazon, my Amazon buying skills. I have insomnia. So I do a little buying at night and I'm married to somebody who's very athletic. So it's in the middle of the night, usually on a day when I've not worked out that I make the decision that tomorrow is the day that I'm going to become the athlete I've always wanted to be. And so I order things and they show up. And so, uh, one day I was going to be a swimmer. So I ordered the goggles and the cap and, uh, and I ordered rollerblades. Wait a minute. Hold uh, on. Hold on. We got to take these one at a time. How long ago did you order the cap and the goggles? Like, yeah, six months. I mean, not long. Have you not swam long. once? One time. <laughs> one time. Okay. Put the cap Swimming on. Swimming laps is difficult, isn't it? 
It is. Well, I would, I didn't actually do a lap, a lap at all because I put the cap on, didn't like the way that looked. So that was over, never got used, uh, bought the rollerblades. I was convinced. I'm like, I'm, I used to be able to rollerblade. This is going to be great. We go out to a park and I, I can't get four feet. He has to hold me the entire time. Those came right off got put away, um, jump ropes, hula hoops, you name it. And he, he keeps looking through the account going, who, who is this that's living here? So those are the things that haven't turned out the way that I had really envisioned. It's usually about me and who I think I'm going to be when I get the thing. And it just somehow I'm, I wake up every day and it's still just me. You just got to go hire somebody on Fiverr to exercise for you. That's what you do. That's a good point. It's not my gift. Len? Uh, you know, not too exciting. We, I've, I remember we were, one time we were at a uh, buffet or something and they had they were doing it as a breakfast buffet and they were doing this uh, waffles. You know, they see those waffles, cool waffle machines oh. where you, you put the batter in and, and it sits there and this red light goes on and you close it and then you it looks really fancy. And then, and then you flip it over. After yes. About, uh, 30, I don't know, a minute. And then it, it cooks the other side and then the little green light comes on. You lift it up and you get this big, beautiful Belgian waffle. That's the way it's wearing. It's the way. And you've just lost a sponsor here, Joe. They'll never, hopefully they're not listening because it's the after show, but the wearing pro it's the wearing pro it's this big old fancy waffle maker, you know, it's restaurant. Anyways, you I, can I said, tell hey, by the way, really- you can tell that Len stated a La Quinta before. Yeah. <laughs> just, just so everybody exactly. knows. Yeah, Hampton exactly. Inn. Yeah, Hampton Inn. Hampton Inn. Exactly. exactly. Uh, anyway. It's just like, you know, it's like, we got to get one of those, you know, when it, well, so you know, those things are freaking expensive. They're like $300, right? $350. Well, we got one and that thing wore out its welcome after the first, the first time we got, Oh, let's make some waffles. Okay. We did it. Second time is like, eh, okay. Now this thing's big. It's heavy. It's bulky. There's not a really good place to store it. It, it either sits on your counter and takes up space or you have to find some other place for value. So that was a pain in the butt. Then it got to the point where it was so heavy, we didn't really want to take it out anymore and uh, put it on the countertop. We only used the dumb thing like three times, this bit, this $300, $350 purchase. After that, we never used it again, and we ended up giving it away. It was just a total waste, total waste. And it seems like the coolest, I'm with you, it seems like the coolest thing in the world, especially when they have the waffles that are in the shape of Texas. Those are those, <laughs> yes. those are the. Did and you it, find that it was the it was actually the waffle mix that was is what battered most, not the machine. Did you say battered most? Battered. The batter. The the, the batter. Mix, the, the, yeah, the, the mix. batter batter. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just wasn't as fun. It just wasn't as fun. Sure, it's it fun without somebody looking over your, your shoulder. When you're at a buffet or something, it's just not as fun as when you're at home. It was just yeah. a wood. Yeah, little waste for let 300 alone, Let alone the actual waffle at the day's end. Once you're done making that, you go back and you're all excited. At least I am. And then it tastes like a foot or something. Right. It's just the most awful, awful thing. Because it is well, no. Because that's all there is. That's all there is. And so that you have or like the six powdered eggs. But, you have powdered eggs. But Jen, you don't know the secret. You've yeah. never had that waffle with 16 Beers. 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 That would make it taste good. 16 packets of the syrup. You just put 16 of the syrup packets on it. That's the mix you're looking for. Uh, I'm a syrup lover. And then you're sugared up for the next four hours and you take the world's best nap. Yeah. True story. OG. I've spent so much money in my lifetime. One time I decided that I wanted a panini maker because who doesn't like paninis? 
every day. <laughs> and so in my infinite wisdom, I was like, well, Mrs. OG is not going to get me a panini maker for Christmas, but if I get her one, there it is. I can use it. Mm. The gift what that keeps awesome, giving. What an awesome husband I am. Yeah. Yeah. So, we see right through that. <laughs> turns out we both got each other panini makers that year. <laughs> <laughs> We've made paninis at least five times in the last 10 years. So that's sitting there. We have a soft serve ice cream machine. Uh, <laughs> That's it. You can make certain little sprinkles, which is cool. I think we've used that twice. Um, How about the, does everybody have the fondue pot? Yeah. No, no. I had the no, fondue pot. Fondue pot. I um, that. Never was used. I can tell you. I know how good you are with money, but I also know that when it comes to these specific items you're talking about, like I'm like, he's totally yeah. exaggerating. And then, and then you're talking about these specific things. And, and I'm not. <laughs> Yeah. And you're like, yeah, there's yeah. the soft serve ice cream maker. Soft serve ice. Or when people buy those little the at-home popcorn maker for their movie theater. Right. Because you're going to need to all that. What do you put in your movie theater? I Well, I this is my movie theater. You're sitting in it right now. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> the media room equals the office equals the guest room. Oh, geez, taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stackers, this episode is over, but you know what? Your homework has just begun, and it's not about what you know, it's about what you do. And partnering with the right organizations is a huge part of your success. Well, let me tell you, becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Now, not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, Add money at any time and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt, begin stackers with your debt strategy. Decide what the best terms are and conditions for the debt that you want to take and then decide on the products. And with Navy Federal, you could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing costs or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. Both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable as you work your way through life. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required, Terms and conditions apply, loans subject to approval.